Welcome to Fearless Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando on Warren episode 360, an update episode. Yeah, our update episodes are our favorite episodes to do of the entire week uh, or the month or whenever, you know, our whole system, our schedule. A decade. We love our update episodes because it's our opportunity to kind of share a little bit about what's going on in our own life when it comes to reselling, what's happening, talk about the stories, the fun things that have gone on. And then it also uh, is our opportunity to kind of go into the reselling world at large, like what's happening with postage and, and shipping and maybe what's going on with eBay or Amazon. So we get to talk about a lot of different things uh, and it, it's a ton of fun. Also, every other week we have like a themed episode where we might dig into a specific thing, like maybe a type of shipping or dealing with the algorithm or something like that. So uh, be sure to, to like, subscribe, follow us, um, listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast, because we've got lots of content that goes out every single Wednesday. And if you're watching on YouTube or you'd like to watch us on YouTube, we also have our Monday mini episodes where we get, you know, about 10 minutes in. So if you want some shorter content just to kind of fill your bucket, you know, reselling bucket during the week, make sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. Yeah. Especially catch the last Monday mini episode where we discuss what if eBay is right? Had, had a lot of, uh, Interesting conversation from that intense. one. It's intense. It is intense. All right. What's going on with you, Mike? Um, man. So, I mean, well, me, uh, you, you're the one that just survived a, a hurricane. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But anyways, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been, you know what it's like as an educator. Uh, I had just kind of finished up the first full week with students. And the first week of school is like, the equivalent education of like Q4 for resellers. Mm. Like it's just, it's yeah. chaos. There's a I lot going days. on. You're trying to get like your, your normal systems aren't really in place yet. And so, um, the, you know, it's been busy. It's been really busy, but the nice thing is I, and I don't know if I've talked about this yet on the podcast, maybe I have, but I, my commute has been shortened so much. Like I'm saving 30 minutes each way on my commute right now. Nice. And so it's amazing that even though I'm, I'm much busier at my new, at my new job, I'm much busier, um, I have less time throughout the day to do little things, to tinker, to maybe even post an eBay thing. But I'm I'm almost gaining back about an hour every day just in commute. And so even though I'm busier, even though there's a lot going on, that actually opens up the opportunity. And like I said, on my way home, there's a um, there's a, a Goodwill outlet that I can stop at. So that's the kind of place you really... It's hard to stop in for 10 or 15 minutes. Like when you go to an outlet, bins like that, the bins, that's another term for it. When you go to the bins, you want to spend a little bit of time because you start digging through things. Um, but it's it's just... It's such a different experience. So I, I don't have as many uh, garage sales right now because with the heat that we have here in Texas. But the, the time I'm saving on my commute, the fact that I've got places I could stop along my way that are like pretty decent places to shop. Like there were some thrift stores, but when you're already driving 35, 45 minutes on a, a drive to get home, you don't want to stop as often at, at thrift stores when you've got like a six minute, 10 minute commute, no big deal, right? Like I'll stop. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's weird because I feel like in a lot of ways I've gotten so much busier, a lot going on, but it's also like, I have a lot more time to get some of these things done. So it's that weird paradox, but it's working out for me. Um, Unfortunately, the the Goodwill bins like that's on my way home that I could stop at, um, they're still doing their remodel. I've loved the fact that they've been open during their remodel. We don't say a lot of good things about Goodwill. I don't feel like. Uh, I mean, the whole first is there much to say? <laughs> the first few hundred seasons of our our, our few hundred episodes of our podcast, um, we just referred to them as the store that shall not be named. So that kind of gives you an idea of of our feelings at times for Goodwill. Uh, but I do appreciate the fact that even while they're doing this massive remodel of their store and it was shut down for a period of time, um, that every chance they got, they reopened the store even while they're remodeling sections. So they kept things rolling that. And I was just thinking of it from the fact that every time I went in there, I saw resellers in there. Mm. That that's clearly like that's where they're they're doing most of their sourcing. And the fact that Goodwill, um, or at least this store, I mean, it's like we've mentioned many times, it's not like places typically do things just for altruistic reasons. But the fact that they were wanting to still be making money and, and have business running, and they were willing to keep their store open, even though it wasn't an optimal situation, allowed those full-time resellers that are there every day, the opportunity to keep sourcing, right? So instead of just having their sourcing completely cut away permanently, like, you'll, you'll get this back in three months when we're done. It's like, 
hey, we're going to be open for the next couple of weeks. And then, oh, we're going to have to shut down for a week while we do this part. But then we'll be open again. And that that gives, I don't know, it, I appreciated that. I appreciated seeing that. Um, but there was this last week they've got like they were redoing the the parking lot. So it's been closed. It looks like it's open, though. I drove past it and I'm like, ooh, it's open. So I'm planning on doing a lot more stops there um, just because with this heat, it's been tough trying to do garage sales. There are some out there, but it's just it's not worth going out in the heat for like four garage sales, you know, and maybe I'm you missing out. You never know. You never That's true. know. It's true. I, I, I could really be missing out on that, but um, I'm, I'm not going to. You know, it is what it is. So, yeah, but I mean, things overall have been going pretty good. I'm excited for to get through the next couple of weeks of school and to really get into a routine um, because once that routine kicks in, I, I think things are going to be running even smoother for my store. Um, and once the weather, I don't know when the weather is going to cool down. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime soon. But once the weather cools down, I think garage sales hopefully are going to be uh, pretty decent here as well. What about you, man? You had the hurricane. Oh, okay. Tropical so, storm. You know, the interesting thing about that, I knew it was going to be nothing, but I just on the off chance, I did make some sandbags and I put them in my back patio because that it does tend to flood after several days of rain. And it was kind of crazy out here. You know, if you watch the news, I know it's not reseller related, but it, but it is because it ties into the garage sale. You know, I, I went to like the supermarket and it was packed lines, people buying water and everything. Uh, it was funny. I saw a news story how in California, all the bread was all the all the bread was bought except for the regular bread. So like if it had gluten, like people wouldn't pick it up. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then like Costco here, there was a line around the block just to park. And I was like, this is wild. And so I planned my garage sales and there were not a lot of garage sales uh, for that Saturday. That was the day before the hurricane. But, you know, me, I, I like to get out there. I, I'm thinking, you know, you never know. There may be something that you come across. And it, this morning, it was so wild. So I show up. I got up early at 6 something. I showed up around 6.15 to a garage sale that started at 7. The crazy thing about this garage sale was you go up a, up a street and you see the garage sale across a few fences, but there's no way to get to the garage sale. So I'm like, what is going on? So eventually I drive around, drive around and I just find this random road and I take the road and sure enough, it gets me to the garage sale. And I show up and there's not a lot of people there. And somebody brings out this like plastic bin. And in this plastic bin, there's a bunch of, of Hummel uh, figurines. And Hummel figurines can be very, very... Uh, profitable if you find the right ones they're usually long tail items there so there's a small like you know christmas figurine think of like just tchotchkes you would see like at your grandma's house or something kind of deal like precious moments but not precious moments mm. and there was a bunch of them in this bin and so i you know somebody brought them out they brought them out of the garage and started going through them and and the lady was like oh i'm, I'm thinking you know talking to some other guy i'm thinking of probably a hundred for the whole thing and i'm like a hundred bucks like there's at least a thousand dollars in there of these figures, even if some of them are broken. So I asked her, I'm like, Hey, so, you know, you willing to work on the price a little bit. And then the guy next to me who brought it out of the garage goes, uh, actually, uh, you are trying to take my sale from me. This is, this is something I'm buying. And I'm like, what? Okay. I'm sorry, man. I, I just saw you bring it out of the garage. I didn't know. I thought you were like the seller. I didn't know you were the buyer. And so I was like, all right, sorry, bro. Like I That's walked brutal, away. Man. It was brutal because the whole time, you know, what, what do you think? You see somebody bringing out a whole bin out of a garage. You're thinking that's the people bringing it out to sell, especially yeah. when you're early. So then I'm walking around this garage sale and I go to the front and I see these totes and there's a whole bunch of Griswold pans. Now, Griswold pans can be a ton of money. And yeah. I'm talking about. The, yeah, it is a bolo. And there was about. At the least 15, maybe at the most 30 of them, right? In these two totes. And I start looking through them and actually on the Instagram story. So make sure you're following us on Instagram because I post this on Instagram. I I'm going through there and I'm like, whoa, like this is crazy. And then what do I hear from behind me? Oh, that's already paid for, man. I already bought that stuff. Same guy. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, geez. Like this is, this is brutal. Like this is brutal. And so I pick up one thing. I, I buy a Harley seat for 15 bucks. I could sell for a hundred something. And then I'm like, I'm out. 
And so what ended up happening, I think this is what happened. I think they already set up a local deal via OfferUp or Facebook Marketplace. And the guy was just like sifting through everything. And I showed up after that because, you know, the whole time I was lost trying to find a way to get up there, there was nobody in sight. So this guy must have been there for at least 30, 40 minutes before me, had already been pulling stuff out of the garage. So it hurt my soul because I'm pretty sure I walked away from at the least, you know, a thousand dollars of profit at the most, probably two to three K. Right. That's rough. It was, it was brutal, but I, it's interesting because I went on the Instagram and I told everybody, I said, listen, this hurts, but there's always another opportunity around the corner. So then I go to a garage show that said they had Halloween stuff and collectibles an hour and a half early and they're not open at all. And it's one of those, you know, you ever seen those that everything's already outside and they put a tarp over. Usually that's not a good sign. Usually that means it's junk stuff that they don't care if it gets wet overnight. And so no one was there. So I left. I went to a garage show and then I came back 30 minutes later. I show up right when they open. And I asked them, do you need help with the tarp, whatever? And they're like, yeah, yeah, help us out. So I helped them out and I go and I see a lot of the stuff is just really messed up and just old stuff that's been deteriorated, had a ton of Halloween stuff, had a bunch of cool Halloween signs that were vintage. And I was interested in those. And I start looking around and I see some Japanese books and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I, I don't really look at them too much. And I was about to leave. Because my experience lately was most of these are people from swamp meets or resellers just trying to offload their inventory. So I started looking around and there's a box of vintage toys and I picked up a few and I'm like, how much for these? And the guy's like 20 bucks. I was like, ah, 20 bucks. I was like, Hey, can you work with me a little bit? How about 10? Right. And I was talking to him in Spanish, you know, you got to work that the Spanish charm there. (laughs) And, and he's like, no, 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 that's a good deal for 20. And I knew it was a good deal because two or three of those figures, I would have already been the profit. So I set that aside. I started looking around. I, I asked, I picked up the Halloween signs and I put those aside. And then in the corner of my eye, I, I see this guy going through this box of vintage Game Boy Advance boxes. And he's going through them and he's checking for games. And I'm like, oh no, how did I miss that box? And the guy's going through them and he, and he has a trash bag next to him and he's just throwing away the boxes. He's no game, thrown away, no game, throw away, no game, throw away. And I'm like, I hope, I hope he just walks away. Like he leaves them in the trash. So I'm, I'm fake, like looking through inventory, like I'm checking out books and I don't care. I'm just waiting. Sure enough, he's done. I go up to him. I'm like, did you find anything? He's like, no, it's all trash, just boxes and manuals. I'm like, oh. And so I go you know, to the just back. trash, nothing. <laughs> That's what he said. Garbage. He said, he said, oh, sola de basura, which is, you know, it's only trash in Spanish. So I look in the bag and I see Pokemon. Oh, I man. see Mario Brothers. I see Zelda. And I pick the bag, pick up the bag and I, I go to the, the owner. I'm like, hey, is it okay if I just take this trash? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's just trash. Just take it. So I put it with my stuff. I didn't know what I had. So then I'm looking around. And I see manga books. I don't know anything about nice. manga. Yeah, I, I know zero very about manga. Potentially profitable. Yeah. So I start looking up, and some of these books are going for 40 bucks a piece. Yep. And he has hundreds of manga books. So I start doing the research, and I'm just like, I'm going to take all of this. I'm going to take all of it. So it was like eight boxes full of manga books. Some Nancy drew, but it was all manga. So I took them, I put them all aside. And I asked him, I said, where do you sell? Do you sell at a Swami? Do you sell, you know, a pawn shop? He's like, no, no. My daughter just really loved those books and she just read all those books. So what I got was he just had all this stuff that his kids had and he's just trying to offload it. And so the guy that was throwing away the boxes, he actually was an employee of the guy working at the garage sale. And he came up to me. He's like, hey, listen, man, this guy, he has all kinds of stuff. We just took a truck to the store that shall not be named. He didn't call it the store that shall not be named. He said, we took a truck full of these books to Goodwill and Goodwill refused to accept it and told us no. I'm like, what? And like, what you guys do with that truckload? He's like, oh, we just took it to the dump. I'm like, no, that didn't, I did not hear those words. So I was like, all right, if this guy's willing to throw this stuff away, he's going to make a nice deal. 
So I pick up all the manga books. And then I find an N64 console. I find some more video games. And here's the deal. There's all these resellers there and no one's looking at the manga. Not one single person. And so I put it all aside and I'm like, how much for all of this? And he's like, ah, 120. I'm like, you do 100? He's like, he's like, uh, yeah, I'll do 100. So I, 100 bucks. Like one set of these books, there was uh, um, One Piece. Do you know One Piece manga? I don't know manga. Oh, yeah. One, one Piece is like the longest running anime in existence. Yeah, see, I have no idea. There's like so, thousands of episodes. So there's going to be somebody who's going to correct me at the exact number. I don't know what the number It's There's a ton. It's, it is an insane. I haven't watched it um, very much myself, but I know it is very, very popular for sure. So there was a full, like full sets, complete sets. So 120 for everything. And it was funny because before he even told me the number, he goes, he goes, you give me the number first. And I'm like, no, you got to give me the number first. And he's from Argentina and my dad grew up in Argentina. So I kind of, I, I understand, like I, I can speak like they're Spanish, but then there's like Argentinian words. Like there's a, there's a lingo. And so I'm going back. He's like, no, he's like, I know what you're going to do. I'm going to give you a number. You're going to give me half of that number. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, that's true. I'll probably give you half. And we we're just joking around. And that's how we landed on 100. So I fill up, I fill up my, my car. My car's already filled up. I got all this manga. I got the Game Boy boxes. I got Halloween signs. And so then I st- I'm like, I'm not leaving this place. I was already there like an hour. Bunch of resellers were even looking up the manga books and did not pick them up. So then I start going through all these toys and I find vintage Polly Pocket. And if you know anything about Vintage Polly Pocket, like these toys are, are 50 to 100 bucks just for like this little like compact with the little two dolls, whatever. Tons of Polly Pocket, tons of vintage toys. And I kept looking. I spent another hour just researching because no one was there. And he, he goes to me, he's like, look at this guy. He researches everything. And I'm like, hey, man, I just want to make sure, you know, I don't buy junk. You know, and now we're going back and forth in Spanish. It sounds better in Spanish when you say it. And, and then he, he and I told him, I said, listen, I don't want to look anymore. How about you just make me a deal for all the toys? And he's like, how about 30? And I'm like, how about 20? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm making you a deal. 30. And I'm like, all right, fine. You made me a massive deal. So long story short, I walked away. I paid 190 bucks for a bunch of stuff. And within days, within, no, not within days, within 12 hours, I sold a few Game Boy Advance boxes and I already was in the profit. So I've already made, I'll make this a hustle of the week for next week, at least 500 plus on the boxes. There's some Pokemon boxes, the Emerald version, Ruby Red Fire and some others that go for three to 400 bucks a piece. Just the box and the manuals. Yeah, that's crazy. So it was crazy. So yeah, probably the best haul of 2023. I think that haul is going to bring in about, uh, three to four K and hey, can't beat that for 190 bucks. Yeah. And that's the thing. It was one of those where there was only seven garage sales that day. And the third one, I never left now due to that hauls due to that haul, my, my sales have been crazy because I find that when you buy stuff at, you know, when you sell stuff on eBay, that's good money and you keep selling like eBay will feed more stuff uh, for people to buy. At least that's my thought. So anyways, yeah, that's my haul. So good. Now, hey, before before we move forward into our random stories, a way for me to track, you know, the profitability of all the items I, I picked up is my reseller genie. And so if you're going to garage sales and you're a part-time garage sale guy or gal and you're scared about taxes next year or you still haven't done your taxes like Orlando, uh, I have until mid-October, uh, a great way to ensure that you have the numbers that you need to make sure that you keep every dollar as part of your bottom line, my reseller genie is a great tool to do that. No Excel spreadsheets. You go in there, it'll import everything from 2022. And on top of that, you'll be able to put your cost of goods and other items that you can deduct. And so if you haven't yet, go to my reseller genie.com, uh, use our promo code pure hustle, all caps. Actually, the link is below. And if you use our code pure hustle, all caps, you'll get 15% off the first month. It's a great tool. It's what I'm using. And so make sure to check them out. I love it random stories all right so before i give like a specific random story um i want to say I probably should have maybe did this at the beginning of the episode however i did not so here we go okay. um i've noticed a few people mentioned that again maybe some issues with the podcast on spotify so i just want to mm. kind of throw it out there to our listeners because i the the platform that we're utilizing to kind of um 
store, distribute our, our podcast. Um, we're having a little bit of issues with, and we're trying to figure out what to do with it. And yep. part of it is you, it, anybody who's worked and dealt with anybody in like an IT department, you know that they need to be able to like replicate problems. They need to be able to have data to be able to say like, how often is it happening? Who's it happening to? What platforms is it happening on? I, I'm hearing Spotify mostly where it's either like garbled, the episode will go out of order, the pitch will change, various things like that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're listening to the podcast um, and you're hearing something on this episode or a, a past episode, come to YouTube. It's probably going to be the fastest way for us to just like be able to get the comments and just let us know if what the problem you're having on Spotify or if it's another platform, um, what the problem is. That way we have that data to show because we want this fixed. Like we don't want our listeners. We don't want you guys stuck listening to the, the episodes messed up. You can always come over to the to YouTube, but I know what it's like. Sometimes I just want a podcast. I don't want to have YouTube open on my phone. So we want to try and get this fixed. So please just leave a comment, but also let us know in the comment, you know, what you think of the episode or make another comment. So that way it's not just nothing, but your podcast doesn't work. Um, so, you know, say something nice too, but anyways, that, that would, I think help us, uh, to just to have that information, uh, because Orlando and I have from the beginning, I mean, you see, we, we put a lot of effort and energy into trying to make sure that the podcast quality stays good, even during this, you know, us being remote now. So the last thing we want is even with all this work that we're doing it not to be working. So we're going to do whatever it takes to fix it. Even if that takes working with their department, their IT, getting stuff resolved, if that's what it takes, or going somewhere else. But we will make sure that uh, the content is is great for you. So please just come on over to YouTube. And while you're here, hit like and subscribe. Just subscribe to us. We're getting close to that 10,000. Uh, so if you just jump over, leave a comment, and then you know subscribe while you're over here. Um, Can I add something to that too? Sure, go for it. If you want to listen to the early episodes. So one of the biggest fails <laughs> what happened with this platform was not all our episodes transferred over. I don't know what number it, we weren't able to get, but like, if you want to listen to the early episodes and you've only been listening on Spotify and you didn't know that there's like, I think it's like, was it first hundred episodes? I don't I forget what number it was there. They are available on iTunes or other, you know, Google play or other platforms. And they're also on YouTube. So if you're new and you're like, Hey, I, I thought, I think I've listened to all of them. But I somehow I never got episode one through whatever. They are there. You're just going to have to find them in different places. YouTube's the easiest place, but they're also available on the other platforms. So I just want to throw that out there. That's right. All right. So what's your random stories? Uh, um, so, I mean, not the, the, the most random thing, but um, if you remember a while back, we uh, I did a, a YouTube episode it was just me but i kind of did a review of that lulu row empire whatever the movie was called i don't or the oh, yeah, documentary yeah, yeah. um and it, it did pretty well on youtube i think it was a pretty fair um, review of that movie and kind of the impact that companies like that have on reselling community or just companies like that have in the kind of hustle or you know the pyramid schemes how that affects people um, and how it's even sad like a company with like a good product like because honestly the way they started out was like pretty solid like lady was making the stuff herself she was selling i mean like any of us like trying to hustle trying to do well and then just how how that can greed and you know poor management stuff could lead to issues so anyways um that being said one of i don't want to call it a big haul because it wasn't like a super great haul but a decent haul that i had relatively early on in my reselling career was a bunch of lulu row and i've talked about it in the past i've talked about it you know various times throughout the the seasons However, it's one of those things where I, we've even had somebody recently in the the Discord say like, "Hey, I've got this like opportunity on Lulu Row. Should I do it?" And you know, other people are like, "Wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole, right?" And and it's so true. The reason why my Lulu Row like score was a pretty decent one was I was able to pick up these pieces for I don't remember the exact number. Somebody listening to our earlier episodes probably knows what math I did, but it was like somewhere between like twenty five cents to fifty cents a piece. Right. And they were all large sizes, like extra large, all the way up to like extra, extra, extra large. And they were pretty decent patterns. And those are the types of ones that are selling them all new, new with tags. So it wasn't like I, I bought, you know, someone's used. I bought basically a store of large Lulu row at like dirt price. I remember that. Yeah. And I haven't sold like tons of them. It hasn't been like I've made thousands of dollars on this, but I've made pretty decent money. And when I was doing, Poshmark, it was really nice because I, I was kind of utilizing those in some ways as like a, a loss leader. I could almost throw those in for free in a bundle 
and that would be enough to entice somebody because it's like what it cost me 50 cents it's not going to charge me any more on shipping so i had no problem doing that well um the only reason it's really a random story is it's been a little while i think i've sold most of them uh, and randomly i had uh, a couple sales to the same person uh, which is always nice and i had to dig forever to figure like where was that lulu row tote and like oh yeah that got moved in uh, but it was just, it reminded me of that whole, when I was packing those, I'm like, man, Lulu Row. if you've been listening to earlier podcasts, you might think, oh, this is a bolo. Maybe I should buy this. Oh, Be no. very careful. Like yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out looking for Lulu Row. In fact, I've had opportunities to do big full store buyouts like where, and when I say store, I mean like somebody in the MLM pyramid scheme, their entire inventory essentially. Um, and it's usually no, because again, they're trying to recoup their costs. They want to charge pretty decent amounts for them. Uh, but if, yeah, if you can get it, we're like, hey, I'll buy all 100 pieces you have for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that. You're not going to do too bad if they're decent prints, because you could still sell those for 15, 20 bucks a piece. And it's not a bad deal when it's super light, super easy to ship. And people who are after them, they, they know what they're looking for. Um, it's just, is it the right print and size? And that's about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> I it, it's crazy because still you'll go to a garage sale and people will be like a dollar a piece. It's like what? They're yeah, not even so worth too like, much. They're not even no ten cents to me is too much. Like it's almost free for those items. So no, I you know for me it's it lately it's been the messages. You know I I get I get crazy messages sometimes and I've had to block a lot of people recently. Uh, I mean, it's part of it's because I just get annoyed. Uh, you know, I, I can't stand it when I, I get people that are like trying to buy something for cheap and then they just insult the items that I have. And I'm like, all right, I'm done with you. Like, I'm not going to sell it to you. But, you know, I had two interesting ones. So, you know, the tragedy in Hawaii, right? The fires in Maui, uh, just horrible, horrible. And I got this message and it was it was really strange because they said, hey, I see you have a lot of rain spooner shirts. Uh, I'm trying to buy as many as I can to send them back to the victims uh, of, of the fires. Um, one of my friends lost their home and their bow and so on. And, you know, I like to make a deal. And I was like, what? Like, I, I think that's the last thing people want. You know, like, well, nobody's going like, I really wish I had some ring spooner shirts now. Like they're worried about their families. They're worried about food. They're worried about shelter. And so I had I had messaged. um I don't know if you want me to shout her out here, but short seller on Instagram, because she's, she's from Hawaii and she's been a friend of the podcast for a while. And, and I said, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? And I, I guess, you know, like it's, it was, it's valid. Like, you know, people still, you know, they're going to have to rebuild their business and they're going to need to reverse print a tire and so on. And, and I was like, interesting. And I made a deal, but I guess it wasn't good enough and the deal didn't go through, but it was just weird. Cause I'm always ready to jump to everything is a scam. Right. This person is just trying to get a deal on these Hawaiian shirts. Like my, my cynical mind went to that, but I guess it was legit. Now the sale never came through, but that's okay. And then uh, when I went to uh, Seattle, the only thing I sourced at a thrift store in like 10 minutes was a Fitbit. And I, I got to tell you, resellers are the worst. Resellers sometimes will try to like hijack and damage your business uh, at times. And so it was new and sealed. And I listed on eBay and within seconds I had somebody who said, Oh yeah, that thing, that thing's going to break down. The battery's not going to work. You know, you should check the four parts. You need to, you know, you need to charge lower. And they sent me a, a really low offer. And so I went and checked their store out and sure. What do they do? They sell refurbished Fitbit on there. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, all right, come on, man. Like, it, like seriously, and so I blocked them and sure within an, within an hour they sold the Fitbit and made it to the buyer. Buyer was happy. Everything worked fine. I'm like, I just, I can't stand this shadiness. It just, I, you know, it's part of the business. I get it. I get it. But there's a difference between lowballing me. I understand the lowball. Like I do it all the time, right? People always make fun of me because I, you know, I get upset when people send me a low offer, but that's what I do when I go to garage sales and, and make local deals. So I get it's part of the business, but you know, it's just, People do this all the time. I had somebody, um, maybe I'm just ranting here. Who knows? But I had those uh, Game Boy Advance Pokemon boxes uh, that sell for hundreds of dollars. And and somebody had sent me, you know, offers and they're pretty low. And he's like, hey, you should just take this money and move on. Like, no, you're not going to get any better deals than you're getting from me. 
And I'm like, what? Like, do you know how to negotiate? Are you like a child? Who are you? And so I checked their store and sure enough on their description of their store is no one will buy more than I can. I'm the number one buyer on eBay. And so I just, what I do when people send me little offers like that, I just end the item and I relist it and I block them. And sure enough, within hours, I had some people pay two to three times the price of what this guy was offering. But it's like, who are these people? Like, where are their, where are their people skills? Like, I just don't understand. Anyways, all right, that's my rant. So, so there, there you go. And then random nice. stories. So, all right. But we, we do got a lot to talk about on reseller topics. So, uh, we should get into that right away. Let's do it. Reseller Topics is another name for reselling news. And today we're going to be talking about eBay ads events, stolen items for cheap, and Goodwill as being more expensive than Target. All this and more. Orlando, take it away. So I went to this event which I wasn't supposed to go to. I don't know. I didn't get an invite. So shout out to Aladdin Pickers. Uh, they're in San Diego. They're awesome booksellers. You should check out their episode that we did with them. And they messaged me and they say, hey, are you going to this uh, eBay ads event? I'm like, no, I never heard about, about it. I never got a, a message. He's like, you should go. Maybe, you know, maybe it's something uh, you'd enjoy. And so I, I, they gave me the contact info. I emailed them like, hey, you know, I, I was like, hey, I'm an eBay seller. I do this podcast, blah, 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 blah. You know, if, if possible, I'd love to join this event. And they got back to me like, sure, we'll put you on the list. Show up. So I showed up and it was a great experience. It, it really was. Uh, you know, eBay, eBay does like to take care of sellers when you go to the events, right? They have usually they have, you know, great food. You get swag. I had I got some gift cards, but the info that I got was great. So whenever you get an invite. So, to, so wait, 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 we yeah. need to we need to go back to, uh, you know, our Monday mini. I think it's all making a little bit of sense now. I think the no, fact no, no, that no, you no, no. you were you were wined and dined, so you're no. fanboying over eBay, <laughs> no. which is why it's like eBay. I'm coming to eBay's defense. No, no, no. Listen. Now we understand. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay. I already was thinking thoughts about that episode, that mini-sode, way before this even happened. Because mm -hmm. remember, we had that one episode. You know, maybe it's your fault that there's slow sales. That mini-sode. So I was already on on that trajectory. And anyways, you need to check out our mini sode if if you want to know what we're talking about. Uh, and and we may have dropped it as a as a as a podcast, you know. So you should check it out there too. But I got some important info to share here. Okay, uh, before I start with that info, yeah, yeah, what what do you remember most about networking at eBay Open, Mike? When when we went to eBay Open, uh, what do you? I don't know what you're looking for. Though. What do I remember most well, about what you, networking? What was, most, what was the most enjoyable? Yeah, the networking, right? The networking. Okay. Yeah. So you okay? Did yeah. I, networking. Did I say that? Yeah. You said, "What did you enjoy most about networking at eBay Open? I don't know, meeting people, talking with people, <laughs> okay. um, right. getting well, to know that, people." That's what I was leading to. So it was pretty awesome because in this, it was only like forty of us in this in this room, in this uh, hotel conference room. And it was just awesome. You know, I had, there was one guy next to me and he sold like solar panel material stuff. The people over, they sold beauty supplies. Somebody else sold watches. And we're talking about people that have 20,000 items in their store. They have full warehouses. They have employees, uh, you know, Latin pickers themselves. Like they have employees. They sell like thousands of pounds of books each week. And and it was a, it was a great opportunity, and it reminded me of how much opportunity there is on eBay, right? If something's not working, maybe there's other avenues. And I don't want to share how these people source their items because I don't know if they intended for me to put it on a podcast. But the, 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 there's ways. Like it was just phenomenal uh, the stories that they shared about how they're able to get their costs low and they're able to sell high, and they're able to go full time on eBay. So that was great. So if you ever get one of these invites, I encourage you to go. Even if you're like, I know eBay is going to try to sell me, you know, like, you know, their mug here. I don't know if you can see that, right? eBay ads. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Here's the thing, Orlando, you are never allowed. Nope. You cannot drink out of an eBay ads cup on our <laughs> podcast. I draw the line somewhere that is unacceptable. eBay ads. Are you kidding me? Ads? Can, I, can I just pour the drink in this Pure Hustle uh, mug? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. That's probably dirty. It's been sitting there for a I while. Just, no, that's uh, true. That's true. I'm like, no, that. But uh, but Orlando, come on, like that's like you're like you you're like full. I'm not eBay is not the enemy. Like I, I'm I'm with eBay in a lot of things. But <laughs> but here's the thing. Like right now, like in, with all the debates and stuff, you're like waving an eBay ads flag, <laughs> saying eBay is great. Also, I uh, I got some free swag. eBay is amazing. Pay for more advertisement. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let me share what was shared with me. And then, you know, you can, you can call me to the carpet here. Okay. All right. few things here. Uh, first of all, I thought it was interesting because there's, there's way more listings now than there's ever been. They, there's 1.8 billion listings on eBay. Now, what they were saying was when you do ads, when you run a promoted standard or a promoted advance, whatever, there's a potential of it being shared in visibility through a hundred different ways, right? Whether it be through Google, whether it be through on the bottom when you do so similar, whether, whether it be, you know, via, you know, they check, they click through your, your ad or your item and then your other items pop up, whatever it is. So I thought that was interesting. What they said was you should focus on high conversion listings. And so if you're going to do uh, promoted ads, it's either on high conversion listings or stagnant items those two right and we had brought before how if your items are there for more than 90 days how if you promote them it keeps them fresh or if you end them and sell similar but the interesting thing they told me was that stagnant items are actually items that are in your store for over 18 months which i thought was kind of 18 months that's, that's a long time they did say you know if it hasn't sold in 30 to 60 days you probably should take a look at what's going on with that item uh, so that also was telling to me that they, they don't want stuff on the platform that's going to be sitting there for a long time, right? We've said this for a long, long time that the days of listen and forget it, those days are done. Like eBay does not want listen and forget it items on their, on their thing. Now, they did say sellers that do promoted, uh, promoted listings advance. So this is a pay-per-click, which I won't do. Uh, that they're likely to get 50% more sales. But again, this is only if you have high conversion items. They did say, you don't want to do this if you're selling clothing items that don't sell consistently. You know, if you're selling, vin if, if you have vintage items that take a few months, like you're going to end up <laughs> spending a ton of money and you're not going to get the sales. So don't do advanced. Now they did say, if you do the standard. So let me break it down if there's new people here. Standard is you list something and you promote it to a certain percentage. And if somebody clicks on your item and it's through a promoted ad, eBay will charge you that, that percentage that you put, whether it's two or four or eight or 10 or whatever it is on that item when it sells. If you do promoted listing advanced, eBay will charge you every time somebody clicks on your item, even if it doesn't sell. Right. So for individuals like Mike and I, who we have everything stores and we sell a lot of vintage items, it makes more sense for us to list with promoted standard our items. It does not make sense for us to do advanced. Right. Because it's not high conversion. They did say, though, if there are seasonal items like, say, let's say Barbie, they brought up Barbie. If Barbie is a hot item and it's trending it may be worth it to you to do advanced because that item is going to sell quick because it's trending at that time. So you'll be able to sell it to separate yourself from the competition by doing advanced. And so the way they described it is that standard from what listing standards, like a shotgun, right? You're throwing it over all your items where if it's advanced, it's more like a laser. You're just focusing on those items. So, Again, individuals like Mike and I probably aren't getting used advanced. Individuals that are selling iPhones or they're selling, you know, mo I don't know, motor parts, like parts that are consistently selling, like that is worth it to them. This, this I thought was interesting too. Um, you will be promoted. It, it, it works in your favor if you're a new seller. Now, the only way you could do promoted listings as a new seller is if you have an eBay store. And I know we can get into like, why is eBay double charging? I know. I know we can get into that whole discussion. But what they told me is, so I had a one-on-one -on -one with one of their consultants. And I asked him, I said, hey, look, I have items here that my cap rate on my dynamic. So dynamic ad rates, in case you don't know, is you can, <laughs> this is funny. 
I actually have a recording of this, but I, I want to respect that as a private <coughs> event. Uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you guys say on dynamic ad rates, dynamic ad rates is where you tell eBay, you can charge me as much as you want on the promoted, but here's my cap. So you can cap it. So my cap is at 8%. And so I asked him, I said, hey, why, why do you guys have this? So you're basically your source for this is trust me, bro. I'm, we're not going to charge you more than what the ongoing rate is on this. And I said, is there any data to validate this? And the guy joked, he's like, well, it is kind of like, trust me, bro. And I was like, what? Did he just say that? And everybody was dying in the room. But I, I looked at it and yeah, eBay is not charging me 8% on every single item. Sometimes it's 3%, sometimes it's 4%. But for me, on my, all my items, I'm at 8%. And the suggested is the 11%. So I asked the consultant, I said, hey, should I just go to 11%? And they actually told me no. And they said, I asked them why not? And they said, because I have 100% feedback. I've been selling for years. I have good metrics. And so if you're an experienced seller that has good metrics, you have good feedback, you don't need to have those higher rates because what the rates do is they amplify you in the search. But if you already have good feedback, you're already being boosted in the search. So yeah, if you I, mean, have- I guess one way of thinking about it, um, I mean, I think I think there is the clear cut and dry. If if you are promoting it the most and it's like apples to apples or close enough to apples to apples, eBay wants their money. So they're going to. Yeah. But at the same time. It's almost like a, when you mention amplifier, right? There's factors that like add to it. It's like whatever the number is that your value is, then there's going to be things that like, then there's a multiplier. This one will add extra percent extra. And then all of those things, all those factors add up and you get like probably a total number that's going to if apples to apples items. Whoever has the highest number in the algorithm is going to be pushed up. And so, yeah, there, there are going to be different factors. If you're a brand new store with a bunch of really bad feedback, um, and you, you have the highest promoted amount, but the other factors uh, all in place. Yeah. You might actually end up lower in the, in the, the search, which makes sense, right? Like, cause eBay is looking at a lot of things. They want to protect their, their reputation. They want to hopefully help some of their best sellers in some ways, cause they want to keep you on the platform. Uh, and you know, it's, so there's, there's, it makes sense that there's other factors. So I could see why. It's not black and white. Hey, whoever's promoted the most is going to be the one that's highest on the list uh, because, yeah, somebody could be promoting higher. But if they've got other factors going against them, then mm-hmm. then yours being a little bit less might be up. So th- maybe if they promoted at like 100 percent, 99 percent, you know, eBay's going to put them at the top. But other so than I that, asked that know, question, I asked that question, like, let's say the promoter rate is 12 percent and somebody puts 50 percent. They they said it actually will hurt you in the algorithm because it, it it'll look basically like you're just trying to manipulate things that you're you know you're not for whatever reason they just said don't because <laughs> if you go which I I'm glad for that because they could have been like yeah go fifty percent because I asked them I said you know I have fifty percent sales on my store what if I end my fifty percent sale and I promote at fifty percent will I get more sales. And they're like, no, don't do, don't do that. That's going to actually hurt your store because it, it, what, what it looks like is you have a bunch of items that you can't move and you put them at a very high rate. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I thought, I thought that was interesting. Now, one thing they did tell me was if you're running a sale and your sales at 10%, their data says that that doesn't have an effect at all. In order for you to have an effect with a running sale, it has to be at least 15%. So... Do what you may with that, but that's what they said, that 15% is the beginning of you getting uh, people to buy stuff, and it will boost you uh, in the algorithm. So, and I want to address one more rumor. There's this rumor that's been around on YouTube, and I I think we might have, I might have even said it, that promoted listings, when an item sells, they take fees based on what you listed it for, not what it actually sold for, and that is false. Uh, they, they actually, I actually looked at it myself and I'm like, yeah, that's not true. And then they validated that by saying, Let, let's talk about this. And they, and they, you know, they brought in my sales and they're like, look at this, this isn't this. And I was like, yeah, that's not true. That's not true at all. So, you know, just throw that out there. So, so it was an overall good event. Uh, I, you know, to me, I shared this on our mini sode. 
I think a lot of us would not be successful right now if it wasn't for promoted listings. I think we'd be in a mess right now because how would people know to buy from us, right? How would we separate ourselves? I from hate the that. I don't like that at all. I don't. I don't like I know, that at all. I know. I think that's. I think that's terrible. Um, again, it's like one of those things. Like, okay, like there's an there's an aspect of it that helps, but. At the same time, I mean, you know, we've we've already talked about this, you know, in previous episodes, but I don't I don't think it's good because it just becomes the new norm, right? Like all you're mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. doing is is saying like this is the new norm, not everybody promotes. So basically all serious resellers are like, Well, I guess we have to promote. Then they add the next thing. Well, you know, the real, real resellers are gonna do dynamic. Okay. And then people start doing that. Okay, the real, real resellers are gonna do pay per click. And so you they can just keep adding things to make it where like well, if you want to stand out, you have to do this. And it's like, well, I get eBay needs to make their money. It's one of the ways they're making their money. But I don't think it's I don't think it's in our benefit. Like we can use it. We can we can use it as a tool, but it's it, it really is a reseller tax. No, it's I like, agree. The I more agree. We're, the more we're willing to take it like, OK, it helps us. But I'm never going to say like, oh, well, thank goodness. Thank goodness that that we have promoted listings because that now I stand out. It's like. Well, probably anybody that's my real competition with items anyways you know, they're, they're promoting it probably at the same level I am. So it just creates a, a bidding war. You know, it's like now I have to now I now it's almost like when you talk about the race to the bottom on Amazon. Now it's like the race to the bottom on yeah. in, in our pocketbook. Cause it's like, well, I, I see what you're well I'll promote higher. Well, I'll promote higher than you because I want it even more. Well, I'll promote higher. So it's like, I don't want that to be like the way I'm showing my hustles. Like, well, I'm going to be the hardest promoting person out here <laughs> like it's not a bit and now be aware they, they they were very clear that if you sell unique items or items that there's not a lot of competition you probably don't need promoted listings because you're gonna you know when people are searching that item you're gonna end up first on the search so be aware of that but you know it was interesting talking to other resellers a lot of them they're promoted some of them do like 12 percent, and they weren't happy about it but they were just like hey this is my business i need to make money this is, is pay to play and so I got to do what I got to do. So again, I, I agree with you. I, I'm just, I guess I, I'm pragmatic about it because I'm like, I, I got to do what I got to do as a full-time seller. If I was part-time, I maybe would reconsider, you know, about it though. So appreciate that. All right. Let's go to a fun story. Let's go to a fun story. So, and, and there, there's some relevance here. So I posted this on, on social media. So what there was, was there was a guy at a, at a museum Okay, so let me, let me bring the story. This is from Yahoo News. Okay, stolen items from the British Museum worth $64,000 offered on eBay for as little as $51. How crazy is that? There's two things I want to take away from this. So let me read a little bit here. At least one item that was stolen from the British Museum worth up to $63,800 was offered on sale on the e-commerce platform eBay for as little as $51. The museum's announcement on August 16th said the majority of the missing stolen and damaged items were small pieces of gold jewelry and gems of semi-precious stones and glass dating from the 15th century BC to the 19th century that were kept primarily for academic and research purposes. None of them had been recently on display. However, some of the missing items had been appearing in listings on eBay since at least 2016, with the Telegraph reporting that an antiquities expert told the British Museum three years ago that they suspected a member of staff was stealing pieces from its collection that were in storage. In 2016, a piece of Roman jewelry made from the semi-precious stone onyx was listed for sale on eBay with a minimum price of, it says 40 pounds, I don't know what that is, but... It's low. Okay. The listing attracted no bids. One dealer told the Telegraph its true value was between $31,000 to $63,000. And I can go on and on about the story. That, that's that problem of like, if you don't have a, a fence, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a thief, so I don't know all of the terminology, but like, if you don't have a way to like get rid of the inventory you're stealing, yeah. like, it's almost like, a, what's the point? You know, like, if this person was lucky and they sold it for a hundred bucks, what they got a hundred bucks for something. It's like, I I kind of relate it to, you know, people who will like break in like new construction sites and they'll rip apart a, an air conditioner unit to get like $30 worth of copper and they do thousands of dollars worth of damage. And it's like, was it really worth the 30 bucks? Like you probably could have gone to the builder and been like, Hey, I'm going to destroy this air conditioner. You want to give me 30 bucks? They would have been happy to do it. Um, And yeah, so like if, what are you going to do with this? Like, unless you're already connected with people who want black market stuff, 
it seems silly. And and probably the reason it had no bids on it is it's probably not listed as authentic and no way of like knowing that this is a legitimate thing because they don't want to be caught. They're just probably almost offloading it as like costume jewelry or like, you know, like, what do you do with that stuff? Like, it's, it seems like cr- crazy that somebody thought they could get away with it, first of all, and that they were willing to go through that to what, make 50 bucks? Yeah, and and so the two takeaways from here were one is when you deal with like antiquities, it's really hard, right? To to estimate what the value is. So for example, I have some stuff from the Greek era. I have some Roman stuff. Uh, the reason I have this stuff is I picked this up from uh, a reseller who had passed away, uh, whose uh, brother was good friends. It's a long story, but they were connected to me uh, from my teaching. And I have these items, but I don't know what to do with them. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I have like an Etruscan pan. I have some other bronze stuff and I'm just going to keep it because I, I really don't know. So there's that issue. Then the other issue, and I've said this multiple times, is this is why I don't do auctions. Because you can do an auction, but unless the right people come across that item, you could end up selling yourself for really cheap. So, for example, remember that Santa Fe Railroad Lantern, right, that I could have sold for thousands and I sold it for 500 So I've been, right. you know, I've been doing research on Railroad Lanterns. And I have some saved searches and people are getting stuff for cheap. There, stuff I, I'm looking at comps and one, one person bought one for like 300 bucks and that same one sold for like two to three K. Right. And I'm like, unless you get the right people looking at items, you're not going to sell it for that much. I had the same thing happen. With one, one of my Vietnam pins that sold for 300 and I only was able to sell it for a hundred. Why on the auction? Because not enough people were bidding and so there was no bidding war. So, so be careful with auctions. Uh, you know, you can do your research and you can do everything right. But if you set your price too low, you could lose a lot of money. So that's what I want to share from that story. Hey, before we move on, if you haven't yet, uh, you know, jumped on, on our Patreon to, to help us out on the podcast, we invite you to do so. Uh, it's allowed us to continue providing this free content, allows us to get the equipment to keep the quality up. And so if you want to help us out, go over to patreon.com slash podcast for $5.55 a month. You can help us out. Also, you can go below to the link and then I'll take you there. And then the bonus is you get to go, you know, on the Discord, which to me, it, the Discord is a bonus for me because it's it's not you know Mike and I are there, but we're it's not the Mike and I Discord. It's the Pure Soul Podcast community, and we have all kinds of sellers and and a lot of knowledge is shared. Uh, it's a place to just have camaraderie with other resellers. So join us there. Uh, if you haven't been following us on social media, uh, follow us there, Pure Soul Podcast, across all platforms, and then on X. We are Pure Soul Cast, and you always can give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170, or shoot us an email, purosopodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up for this episode, and that bell notification. And last of all, thank you to all of you that have dropped an iTunes review. Always helpful. We are the largest reselling podcast, and we are the most reviewed podcast because all of you that have taken the time to tune in and also go on over to iTunes, hit that five star and tell people why you listen to the podcast. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple more stories here. This is an interesting one. How Goodwill is becoming more expensive than Walmart and Target. Do you find that to be true, Mike? Well, certainly when it comes to like, okay, if I go into Goodwill and I see, you know, I don't know, a pair of shoes, flip flops, uh, a random lamp, uh, whatever, like whatever things you, you're finding at Goodwill, shirt, a button-up shirt. Yeah, a lot of times you can get some of this stuff brand new. I mean, give granted the the quality versus like a vintage, vintage quality might not be the same. But yeah, you can get really discounted stuff at at Target. You're using Target Red Card. You're getting five percent off. They've got coupons. Hey, you can walk away with like a pretty decent shirt for you know, $8 or $6 and that same shirt or a shirt similar to that at Goodwill, you might be spending $8, Mm $6 and it's used and it's not even great quality. So for sure, I I could see that. Yeah. So one of the funny ones here in this story was somebody said, uh, I was in Goodwill last week. They had a used men's boxer shorts for $4.99 used. (laughs) 
Yeah, you can get a five pack at Target and you're paying less well, than four ninety nine a piece. Well, that's what they're saying. They said you get a three pack of Hanes boxer shorts from Walmart for a ten ninety eight. I'm like, okay, first of all, you shouldn't be going to Goodwill to get your boxers. Okay, just, yep. just don't nope. go there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting. You know, they're also talking about like dishware. Like you can get cheaper dishware, like even even at Costco than you could. And so I, I think people are becoming more aware. I really do wonder how this is going to affect uh, Goodwill, uh, you know, because their prices keep going up and it's just on silly stuff. You know, I haven't gone in a long time. So those of you out there that are hoping that people will recognize uh, there is hope out there. There's hope out there. All right. This last one. Uh, and I don't want to spend uh, a ton of time on it, but I thought it was interesting. I came across this article uh, from Harlem World. And uh, it said the psychology of pricing, maximizing profit when reselling any items. So I thought it was cool. They had some discussions there. So, for example, uh, they said psychological pricing and the charm of the number nine. So it's a well-established technique that utilizes the power of numbers to influence consumer behavior, such as using the number nine to make prices more affordable. You're reselling a smartphone for $4.99 or $500, and you have two options. Even though the actual difference is only $1, studies have found that prices ending in 9 outperform rounded prices such as 500 A significant amount of demand can be attributed to the perceived difference between $4.99 and $500. $4.99 feels significantly, significantly cheaper uh, than $500. I was like, I was do you, do you believe that to be true, Mike? Your, do you have your things priced oh, yeah. at $99? Yeah, I mean, that or even lower numbers, like, you know, you could use $4.96, you know, think, different things like that. It absolutely makes a difference. I mean, that's one of the things we've known. I, I feel like most people have recognized for years that stores will do things as $1.99 or $3.99 instead of just 4 I remember as a kid, I asked my dad, like, why don't they just say $4? But it's so true. Like, there's times when, for instance, if I'm talking to my wife, if something's $29.99 on Amazon. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to get this thing, whatever. And I tell her I'm interested in something. Oh, how much is it? I'm like, that's oh, like 20 bucks, 20 some dollars. And because it's not 30 quite yet. Right. And, and it's true. Like, even though I know like, well, really it's actually 30, but it's, it's in the 20 still in my head. And so it makes it seem less. So uh, for sure, I think we're all manipulated by that to some extent, some more than others. I mean, I think we recognize it if we think about it, but yeah, if something's four ninety nine, you might be like, yeah, it's only like four hundred and some dollars as opposed to it's five hundred dollars. Yeah, it, it is. It is interesting. I mean, all my items are like that. So one other thing they said here, I thought was pretty fascinating. They said uh, consumers tend to rely heavily on the first piece of information they receive when making purchasing decisions, which is referred to as an anchoring in price psychology. Your initial price can have a significant impact on how buyers perceive an item's value as a reseller. When you come across a vintage watch at a thrift store, for example, you notice a watch sold for $500 on an online marketplace. You decide to anchor your price to $500. So you list your watch for $450, even though you bought it for $50. $50. As a result, your $450 price tag appears reasonable and enticing to the buyer by sitting an anchor in their mind that establishes a perceived value. That's good. So, and again, it's one of those things that. I think we miss. I, I'm guilty of this. Like, I truly believe sometimes I have terrible sales because my pricing is too crazy, too high up. So remember, if you're having slow sales, it's good to always reflect back on your pricing because that could be the reason that you're not selling a lot of items. So some just something to think about. Yeah. All right. So that's it for our reseller topics. And, uh, oh, we got another section. Yeah, this is this is the one that everybody really really waits for what's your bolo yeah bolo everybody loves the bolo it is the uh it is the part of the podcast people are waiting for and um i don't have like a super super great one and we've kind of talked about these a little bit before if you're like going to places like ross i haven't done the ross shoe shopping thing in a while uh but i know one of the ways that a lot of people were successful there were like sports shoes, specifically like soccer cleats or football cleats. Well, we're going into football season, so it's a little late because you kind of want to start in the summer with this because kids are going back to high school um, and, and parents are trying to buy a little bit cheaper shoes. But you'd be surprised too, like even 
even used shoes. So if you go to a garage sale, you go to a thrift store and you're finding some used cleats. Now, this is a big market. I'm not a shoe head. I'm not a sneaker head. I don't know all the brands, all the things. But I'll tell you what, here's one that 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 has been pretty decent. It's called the Nike, Nike, I'm going to get this, Nike Vapor. I think it's a Nike Vapor Edge is like the one, whatever. Anyways, they're still going for close to $100 used. So Again, high school students, they're not quite growing. Their feet aren't growing the same way that, uh, that that they are when they're real young. But it's not unusual for a kid to have a pair of shoes for one season. Or even like when I was in school and I was playing football, there were a lot of kids that they weren't going to wear the same cleats they wore the year before. They're just not. And, you know, there's some kids who the, the football to them was more about uh, looking cool on the sideline than actually playing. Um, and they probably didn't play that much anyways. But I tell you what, they had the good cleats and the even halfway through the season, they were probably buying new cleats. You know, there's so you you potentially could find some high quality stuff that are basically new in great condition. And the the Nike Vapors are one of those ones where sometimes you look at used stuff and you're like, oh, is it still good? Obviously, Nike's a great brand, so it's it's worth looking at. But that's one that you're still going to get close to, if not more than a hundred dollars for for a used pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And. You know, I what I have found though with cleats is that they still sell right now, right? You know, your football season is in full swing in high schools, but there's always those those individuals that like forgot or or you know no longer are they being sold at Ross or at, at different places, and so or they, they had their they, practice cleats and now they need their game cleats, you yeah, know? or whatever. I mean, and so people will still go to eBay. I, I'll have some cleat sales in the next few weeks too. So now. Mine is, I had mentioned part of this, empty boxes, but I, I want to make it general. So some items that I've sold for good money in the in the last year that were empty boxes, obviously video game boxes, right? So whether they be for consoles, whether they're for vintage games, uh, you know, whether it be Game Boy, Nintendo, even some Atari, uh, it's PlayStation 1. Because remember, when whenever, you know, I, even myself, whenever I was a kid, and I would get video games. The first thing to go in the trash after a couple of days was the video game box, right? I get that game box. This was before people knew that they'd be collectible, at least in my house. <laughs> you get that box, you get the game, you're playing the game and, you know, you ripped it open to get the game out, right? You didn't even yep. spend the time to properly open it. Now, my son and I now will preserve every single one that we get. Uh, but and they don't even have boxes anymore, right? The box, They don't even do own boxes. They're always in those plastic sleeves. So keep an eye out for that toys right we we've had on the podcast people sell like gi joe boxes for like a thousand dollars right where they didn't have the item but they had the box for that item i had mentioned earlier in the year uh, i was at the gas station and in the trash there was a nike box for some travis scott shoes and i took it out of the trash and i listed it and i sold it overnight for like 50 bucks right just the box Right. So you, you just never know. So if you see empty boxes, you know, maybe it's worth a look up because you maybe have some, you know, very valuable boxes in there for you. Yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. All right. Hey, and before we move forward, uh, one of the things that have been valuable for, valuable for me has been uh, American Bowl Boy. Actually, their tape, the My Go To tape. Uh, we still have that promo. You get five percent off uh, My Go To tape by using our code uh, Pure Hustle. You're like, Orlando Mike, why five percent? That's because it's already really, really discounted rate. Thirty five bucks. You get twenty. I think it's thirty five, something like that. And you get twenty four rolls of their tape, and it's free shipping, and it's free either next day or two day shipping, depending where you're at. And I just bought some more tape. So if you haven't bought tape from them, use our code there, get that five percent off, or buy some bubble wrap. Buy some bubble wrap, you won't get that discount, but it's the best price, it's the best quality, and it's the fastest shipping. So go to our link below, uh, AmericanBubbleBoy.com, and get yourself some bubble wrap and some tape. Yeah. All right. What are you looking forward to here, Mike? Um. I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing an end in sight of this hot weather and being able to hit up garage sales. It's <laughs> one of the things that's been like I've missed the most about San Diego is just great weather to hit garage sales. So hopefully, hopefully a little bit more of that because um, I feel like I don't have a complete picture of my new town yet uh, until I can get those garage sales really rolling. And then I'll then I'll know how reselling is going to be here. So what about you? So I, I have a few things. Uh, first of all is, you know, I'm just I'm just looking forward to listing everything from that hall. I've only been able to get through all the Game Boy Advance boxes. 
uh, I listed a few of the toys, uh, but now I have all the manga books. So I have to like organize them all into sets, decide whether to list them as a set, decide if I should list them individually. And uh, now we'll be a, a manga expert by the time I'm done with this as far as what to look for. You know, what's crazy about this haul is some of the a lot of the books had price tags from Japan. So these were books that were bought in Japan and brought back to the United States. I'm like, this is and some of them were Japanese in Japanese, too. So, yeah, Japanese manga does really well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I, I miss the good old days of of, you know, not having all this technology. But I got to tell you, it's beautiful. Google Translate, Google Images, the fact that I can research the stuff within seconds. Right? I don't know Japanese, but I can quickly decipher what these books are. So that's yep. been pretty great. Um, I'm also looking forward to, you know, just more garage sales here. I, you know, this is now round two starts of awesome garage sales. And usually September and October are great months. And uh, I'm up in the air. I'm thinking this year. I don't know. This is what I mean. I don't know. We talked about this in the mini so where are we being lied to about the economy? Because, you know, it depends what camp you're in. Some people are like, oh, you know, this is the best, you know, most jobs ever and blah, blah, blah. But if that were true, where are all the buyers, right? But at the same time, Amazon had its biggest prime day. So maybe it's, it is true. So I, I'm trying to just, I'm going to start right now going out there and seeing if there's any retail arbitrage opportunities uh, for Q4. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, good stuff. So, hey, hopefully everybody uh, was able to gain some kind of uh, knowledge uh, from this podcast, or at least you had us in the background while you're listening or you're sourcing, or, or maybe you just enjoy, <laughs> we're, we're entertained. Whatever it is, appreciate every single one of you that tunes into our podcast. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Lates. Peace.